See, I didn't call him praise choir, Tim. Aren't you proud? Yeah. Although that's a much better name, don't you think? <laughs> but we'll go with ensemble. Uh, 22 years ago, just about exactly this time of year, uh, <laughs> the Walloon Lake Community Church took a big chance on a 32-year-old youth pastor who had preached less than 20 times in his entire life. It's a fact. Young and inexperienced, they invited this greenhorn to be their new senior pastor. And I remember driving up to Walloon from the Grand Rapids area, and I turned and said to Denise, I hope I like preaching every Sunday. <laughs> she turned to me and said, really? Really? You're, you're saying that now? We're packed, we're moved, we've already said goodbye, we're going to be there in a few hours? I, I think it's because of that experience that I think I relate pretty well to Timothy. I, I, I think I, I understand. Timothy is in his early 30s. Most scholars agree when Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy. Um, the difference is there was no congregational vote. They, they just were kind of had Timothy thrust on them. The Apostle Paul, with his position and power, he had started the church in Ephesus. He had, uh, as, his, as the apostle, he had the authority to just send Timothy. So there was no welcoming committee. There was no people there to to celebrate him coming. I don't think there was a carry-in dinner when he arrived. Uh, the Apostle Paul has just sent Timothy to straighten out a mess, a spiritual mess going on in the church at Ephesus. Uh, would you go back to chapter 1? I just want to kind of uh, get a little running start into the mess that's going on here. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, false teaching was going on and being allowed to be taught. And many scholars suggest even leadership in the church at Ephesus was a part of that teaching. Uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, slide down. Um, Well-known men named by Paul here, verses 19 and 20, were teaching blasphemous things. What they were about was so wrong that Paul said, they're out of here. Boot them. Boot them. And he names them. Chapter 2 and verse 8, slide down. Men in the church were disputing and fighting with one another. So there was active hostility, likely amongst the leaders again. Uh, chapter 2, verses 9 to 15. It seems like some women were coming to church dressed immodestly. They were dressed... Uh, provocatively, if you will, and they were attempting to usurp the leadership of the church, chapter 2, 9 to 15. Uh, and we've looked at the last couple weeks, teachers in the church at Ephesus, chapter 4, 1 to 10, were adding to God's word. Uh, they thought they could help God out with their brilliance, and they are adding extra rules and regulations and codes of conduct and extra fences and oh, by the way, what's that called? Whenever we start adding on to God's word, what's that called? It's called what? Legalism. And uh, it's very, very 
active and rampant, has been down through the ages, uh, frankly still is today. People adding on to God's word, thinking they're doing God a favor. And uh, verse 7, chapter 4, they were teaching stuff that was outside of the Bible. Paul calls it godless myths and old wives' tales. Um, frankly, young, inexperienced, shy, hesitant to lead, Timothy was way over his head here. He, he was in way over his head. And, and we can imagine some of the conversations in the church at Ephesus that first Sunday that he preached. Who does this pipsqueak think he is? <laughs> He's just Paul's little lapdog. We need somebody with experience and maturity. You can almost hear him in the foyer going at it. Um, and I'm confident there were many nights that Timothy, with an awful stomach ache, chapter 5, verse 23, look what I'm saying, he had constant uh, reoccurring stomach problems, probably from the situation. And he's asking himself when he's up in the middle of the night with a bellyache, what in the world am I doing here? What was Paul thinking sending me here? This church is a mess. Jesus, I'm in way over my head. Today we're going to look at the advice that Paul gives, young, inexperienced, shy, easily intimidated Timothy on how to deal with the situa situation he found himself in. Advice, uh, when people are doubting you, when people are criticizing you, when people have their magnifying glass out on you, what should you do? And I think this is relevant for us here today. Because some of us here today, we feel a little bit like Tim. Um, I think I'm way over my head in this situation that I find myself in. And I just wonder, anybody here, you feeling like I'm in way over my head right now? Uh, I feel like there's magnifying glasses all around on me. And, and they're just waiting for me to mess up. Any of you have critics and doubters? The popular word. Anybody got haters in your life? And they're not happy with you? And they're hoping that you prove them right? There's good biblical instruction for you here today. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at the last six verses. We'll start with verse 11. We'll read down through the end of chapter 4. Let's stand together. Let's uh, hear... Paul's advice to Timothy, to us. Verse 11, all together with me, let's go. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your book, for your instruction manual for our lives. 
And Lord, thank you for real people like Timothy who didn't have their acts together, who struggled just like us, and yet were called to step up when you called them. So Lord, thank you for uh, including people that we can identify with. And Lord, I, I pray for your church here today because many of us feel just the way Tim did. And uh, I, I'm asking, Lord, that even though we feel inadequate and ill-prepared for what you're calling us to do, Lord, help us to learn. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to be inspired by your book today. Teach and train us this morning from your word, not just how to survive, but Lord, I'm asking that you'll teach us today how to thrive when we hear and see the critics and the doubters moving our way. And Lord, we don't just want to go through religious motions here this morning. The last thing most of us need is just to come and play church. Lord, we truly need and desire an encounter with you, the living, breathing, active, moving God of the universe. And we believe you're on the throne even right now. So Lord, would you come and meet us here in your church? And we recognize, Lord, you're ready to move our way. The lack is always on our end. So we're right now asking that you'll help us to prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls, our wills to do business with you. Lord, if there's anything uh, that your book calls sin that we've not dealt with, Lord, would you point that out right now? <laughs> we don't want anything between us and your son in, in hearing and experiencing what it is you have to say to us this morning. So even now, as you're making things clear that should have been dealt with yesterday or Friday or maybe earlier in the week, Lord, as you point those things out, you call sin, we're going to do the U-turn, we're going to run to the cross. And as we get to the cross, Lord, we're going to call it the same thing you call it. You call it sin, we call it sin too. And we place that underneath the cross, underneath the shed blood of your son, Jesus. Wash and cleanse and purify and tear down those walls. We're ready to do business with you. And Lord, we uh, invite your spirit to come and settle in your church today. And uh, more importantly and more specifically, we invite you to come and settle on the very hearts and thrones of our lives. You come and take charge. You come and fill our lives and move and shape us as you see fit. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one voice, you may be seated. Chapter 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Command and teach these things, Timothy. Here, here's what I want you to do. I know you can do it. I know you got it in you. So instruct with boldness is basically what he says. And oh, by the way, seven times in 1 Timothy, he says, so instruct them. Challenge them. Be bold, Timothy. It's like he has to keep saying it again and again. You can do it, Timothy. Command and teach these things. Verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy, because you are, what's it say? Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. In this culture, less than 50 was young. 
Less than 50 was inexperienced. And uh, things have changed. There are a few cultures still this way. But uh, in this culture, senior citizens were the ones that were respected and, and were the ones that were valued. And, and it was experience and age and maturity that was uh, sought after. So 30-somethings in this culture, not so much. You need to understand that because things have changed. So what should Timothy do in a place where many of the members of the church at Ephesus thought he was too young? I think this guy's too inexperienced. I don't think this guy has what it takes to, to lead us here in this church. They thought he was too young, too inexperienced to be their pastor. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy, because you are young. Here's what you do. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. So, so what should we do when we're over our head? Think with me now. When, when you know the doubters are out there, the critics, the haters, and they're just waiting for you to mess up, what should we do? And the first thing he says, number one, if you want to know, if you're taking notes, here it is, number one, set a godly example. Determined by God's grace and his strength within me, I'm going to live a Christ-like example before the doubters and the watchers and the critics and the haters. They got their magnifying glass out on me. That's okay because I'm going to do my best in Jesus Christ's strength and power in me to set a godly example. In verse 12, what's the first area that we're supposed to be a godly example? What's it say, verse 12? In what? In, in, in our words. Guard your words, Tim. Manage your mouth. About a year and a half ago, we did a series entitled Tongue Trouble. Anybody remember Tongue Trouble? Um, I'm still regularly convicted on some of the things I spoke about. Um, he, here was the key passage, Matthew 12. Our words are a window into what's really going on in our hearts, Matthew 12, 34 to 37. The things we say with our mouth accurately reflect what's actually going on in our inner man and in our inner woman. Um, that's why the prayer that I continue to pray the most on a daily basis based on Psalm 141, verse 3. This is, I, I, I say this prayer, probably Ruthie, three, four, five bad days, ten times a day. Lord, put a guard over this mouth of mine. Lord, set a watch over the door of my lips. Lord, put a guard over this mouth of mine, set a watch over the door of my lips. And, and frankly, if you want to be a godly example, you're going to have to get control of your words going to have to get a grip on your lip. If you want to be a person who is a Christ-like example in your words, uh, Proverbs 10, 19, where words are many, sin is not absent. Some of you need to write that down. Those of you who really like to talk, Proverbs 10 and verse 19, this is your new favorite verse, okay? Where words are many, sin is not absent. So as you run on with your words, that will be the source of what? Continual sin. So be careful with your words because that's the place where sin flows. 
Get a grip on your lip. That's the first way you're a godly example. Um, go back to verse 12. It says, set an example in speech, set an example in life. Because day after day, fellow students are watching you, aren't they? They know you claim to be a follower of Christ. Uh, the folks at work, the folks in the neighborhood, I, I suspect most of them know that you're at church right now. They know what you claim, and they're watching you. And oh, by the way, even if they're not watching you, the Lord's watching you. So be an example in your life, in your behavior. Go back to verse 12. He's not done. Set an example, Timothy. This is how you deal with doubters and critics. Set an example with your words and speech in your life. In What's the next one? It's verse 12. That's the answer. So... If you don't have your Bibles, back of your bulletin, here we go. This is play along with Pastor Jeff time, okay? Set an example in speech, in life, and what's the next word? In what? Okay. Let your agape flow. And what's agape at core? You first, me second. Bob, agape to Ruth is you put Ruth's needs and interests above your own. And you know that when you start putting the other person's needs and interests before your own, did you know that people notice? When you do that, on a, when they realize, wow, they're going second and they're making me first, people sit up and notice. So that's pretty easy with your kids, with your spouse, with your neighbors, with the people you work with. You're first. You're more important than me. In love. Go back to verse 12. Set an example in speech, in life, in love. And the next was is what in so when you need a root canal when the boss is a jerk or if you're the boss when the employees are jerks uh, when the car needs new brakes when the critics attack do people see you trusting in the Lord do they see you asking the Lord for guidance do they see you crying out to Christ or when things go bad, do they see you worrying and fearing and complaining? That's what faith's all about. It's not when things are going pretty good, right? It's when things are going poorly. Where are you trusting? Who are you turning to? Who are you leaning and depending on? That's what it means to live in faith. He's not done. Back to verse 12. Here we go. Set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity pure morally, pure sexually, pure in our words. Impurity over time kills our testimony. You, you want to kill the example of verse 12? Then just continue over time to live an impure life. Eventually, it, it will destroy your testimony. It will de destroy your example. And over time, impurity kills our souls. So the first instruction for dealing with critics and doubters, look at it, verse 12, set a godly example. I'm going to live Christ before the folks with the magnifying glass out on me. Um, they're, they're going to watch me, but the haters, by God's grace, most of the time are going to see Jesus alive and well in me. Instruction number two for the folks with magnifying glasses out on us. Verse 13, here it goes. Until I come, Paul writes, 
devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, teaching. Effective pastoring. Are you ready? This is tough, okay? This will, this will be how I'll break it down for you. Ready? Effective pastoring is this. Open up God's Word to a section of, of the Bible, read it out loud, and then explain it and challenge the people to live it. You want me to run that over for that one more time, okay? Here's effective pastoring 101. Okay, open up God's Word, find a section of God's Word, now explain it and apply it and drive it home and get the folks to live it on a regular basis. That's what it means to be a pastor, according to verse 13, okay? And I just want you to know, for 22 years, that's pretty much what we've done every Sunday. It's pretty, it's pretty, read a section of God's word, now let's dig in and see what it says, and then practically apply it to our lives. That's what Pastor Bob has done for more than 22 years in all the classes that he's taught, class after class. That's what Pastor Jason is doing over at East Jordan Community Church. That's a distinctive of who we are as a church. We're all about let's get into God's word, let's dig into the Bible, and then allow God's word to speak and touch and change our hearts and our lives. Um, I'm convinced that even unchurched, unsaved, or even new believers are hungry for milk and meat. Now, that's not popular today, y'all. People today say, no, 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 no. If you, if you want to get people who don't know Jesus and are brand new, you, you, you got to dumb it down and give them Bible light and give them lots of ice cream and candy and fudge. And then that's how they'll come into your church and that's how they'll grow is, is just give them little easy stuff. So I have a question for you moms, okay? You ready? Are you ready? Moms, um, if every day for the first 10 years of their lives you give your child nothing but sweets for every meal, and now they're 10, and now you say, okay, now you're old enough, now you're only getting meat and veggies, how's that going to go for you, okay? How, how's that going to go? You've given them nothing but candy and, and sweet stuff for a long, long time. Now we're going to switch you over, and, and you're just going to get veggies and meat and milk and good stuff, putting you on a healthy diet now. I, I'm just telling you, it, it's basic. I get it, verse 13, but open up God's word, dig in, preach it, teach it, explain it, apply it. That's the instruction. So, so let, let me just apply this to us, okay? Second instruction for us as we're dealing with the doubters and the critics. Are you ready? Here it is. Stick to the book. Be, be devoted to God's word. You know why? It works in every situation. It works because it's God's instruction manual. He's the one who wrote it. And, and when I'm confused or lost or scared, before I start looking around, and, and going to the Google and everybody else to find answers, where am I going to look first? Where should be our first impulse as followers of Christ? What does God's word have to say about that? What's the Bible have to say on this situation? What, what's the instruction manual having to do with this situation I'm facing? So I would just suggest to you, if you feel like you're over, in over your head, go to the book and make God's word the anchor to your life. 
Make that the source of guidance and wisdom on a daily basis. So, first, set an example of godliness, Christ-likeness for those watching you, verse 12. Secondly, verse 13, let God's word be the owner's manual for your life. Uh, third instruction, when you think you're way over your head and people are watching and they're waiting for you to mess up, verse 14, you ready? Here we go. Do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your spiritual gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Remember, Timothy, God Almighty has gifted you, is what Paul is saying. And, and remember, Tim, you not only are gifted, but the church saw your gifts and has confirmed those gifts in you. It's pretty clear that Timothy's gift was preaching and teaching. You get that? First and second Timothy, it's all about preaching and teaching. So at Timothy's ordination, that seems to be what this is referencing, verse 14, they realize, you know what? You have an effective gift of preaching and teaching God's word. Now use your gift, Tim. We realize it's in you. Now get busy and use it for the church. Now, here's for us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been to the cross by faith and said yes, and I believe Jesus, and I receive you as Savior and Lord, you too have been given a gift by God Almighty. You too have been gifted. So it wasn't just Tim, it's us. All followers of Jesus Christ, we've been given a spiritual gift by God Almighty. And now it's our duty, listen, it's our responsibility to figure out, to seek and discover, what's my gift? How, Jesus, have you gifted me to advance your kingdom and advance your church? Everybody here who knows Jesus Christ, you've been gifted. Now the truth is, some of you don't have a clue what your spiritual gift is. So let me give you a, a couple thoughts. Um, Pastor Tim has put online on the church's website a really good spiritual gift test. So that's option A, pretty easy. You can go home, and that'll maybe give you some things to try. Uh, another option, see Bob or Gene or myself, we have a little booklet. It's a little different test, but it's going to do similar things to the one online. And, and we'd be happy to share that with you. But let me, let me give you what I think the most effective way to find out what your gift is. It, it's how I discovered my gift. Right, you want to know how I discovered my gift? Um, I went down the buffet line called the church. And you guys like buffets? You know, I like buffets because I put a little bit of everything on it. You know, anything that looks good, I'm putting it on the plate, right? Now, here, here's the truth about a buffet. If you don't like it, what, what's, what's the rule? I'm not eating that. It was bad. And there's lots of other good stuff. So if I don't like it, it's going off, and, and I'm putting other good stuff. And I just keep trying and trying. And it's really fun, okay? Think of the church as your buffet, especially young people. And, and here's what I did. The church just let me try a little bit of everything. I drove the church bus. I'm sorry, but we wouldn't let you drive the church bus right now. Uh, but they did it that day, okay? I sang in the choir, worked in vacation Bible school. I worked one Sunday in the nursery, Dorothy. 
I realized that wasn't the gift. That was like sushi for me. No, no get that off the plate. Mowed the lawn, led, led the congregation of music, taught Sunday school, I preached. They didn't stone me. They worked a little bit. I worked with teens. I was an usher. I went on missions trips. I, I did a little bit of everything. And slowly but surely, you start to figure out, hmm, I guess that's, Lord, where you've gifted me. So uh, if you're dealing with doubters and critics, here's, here's a word of advice. Figure out how Jesus has gifted you. And then start using your gift. It's pretty powerful. Find your sweet spot and then use it for the glory of God Almighty. So let's uh, back up. Uh, got doubters, got critics, got haters, people that are watching me, hoping me I'll mess up. Verse 12, set a godly Christ-like example for them. When they look at you, let them see Jesus. Verse 13, allow the Bible to be your answer book for life. Verse 14, find your gift and get in the game. Some of you are thinking church is boring, and I'm telling you, if you're in the game using your gift, church is never boring. It's true. So if you're thinking, oh, this is, this is kind of boring, you ain't in the game. Get in the game. Find your gift. I'm convinced this is God's tool to change the world. This is the most exciting place in the world today. Why? Because this is God's tool to reach northern Michigan, to reach the world. It's the local church. Fourth word of instruction when the magnifying glasses are out on you. Verse 15, here we go. Be diligent in these matters, Timothy. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your what? Perfection, right? So that everyone may see your, what is it? Oh. I'm not after perfection, I'm after progress. And in order to see progress, I'm gonna have to be diligent, sweat, push, focus, Persevere. Give it your all. Be totally dedicated to the task. And just let me say, if your goal in life is perfection, you are going to frustrate yourself like crazy. Because there was only one perfect, and where did they put him? Okay, so there's only one, and you ain't him, and I ain't him. Now, ain't ever, we're all in progress until we're with him face to face. So you're going to frustrate yourself, and then you're going to frustrate everybody around you. Because some people, they're going to see you trying, and they'll be frustrated because they've got to live near you. And then other people will think that maybe you really are perfect, and they're going to give up because they're, I can't ever do that. So you're going to frustrate a whole lot of people around you. Our goal, be diligent and work towards progress. Spiritual progress is the goal. So I'm going to keep working and progressing and, and growing and getting more and more spiritually mature, and my aim is steady progress, steady growth in Christ. Do you get it? The goal is progress. And, and how are you doing on that? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Is it obvious? Um, fifth and final word of instruction, dealing with critics and haters. Verse 16. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. 
persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Two huge issues, Timothy. Pay close attention, first of all, to your life, how you live. Pay close attention to your doctrine, what you believe regarding God's word and Jesus Christ. Make sense? This is huge. Make sure you pay attention. How you doing in your life? Because if we're not careful, instead of being salt and light in a very dark world, if we're not careful, pretty soon we start blending in and the world has conformed us to it. And now I'm, I'm no different than the world. And pretty soon, without much thought, I'm listening to the same music as the unchurched guy I work next to does. And I'm watching the same movies and DVDs as the atheist next door. And I'm laughing at the same foul jokes as the people who don't claim anything to do with Jesus or God's word. And I'm treating my spouse no differently than the people who never, ever want anything to do with Christ. I'm no different. That's what he says. Pay close attention. Look at it, verse 16. Pay close attention to your life. And also pay close attention to your doctrine. Pay close attention to what you believe about Jesus and his word. And I said this last week, and the Lord's done a little work on my heart and smacked me. I'm just telling you there's an avalanche of garbage espoused as good teaching out there today. Forms of legalism, people adding stuff to God's word, adding fences and rules and regulations and all their little foolishness to God's word. There's all sorts of myths and wives' tales. Teachers want to major on minors, focus on the stuff outside of the Bible. And I tell you what, I've resisted what I'm about to do for a long time. But here's the picture the Lord put in my brain. We've got this snack shelf in our house, and, and, and now I say to my family, hey, family, just want you to know, be careful around the snack shack, or snack shelf, excuse me, snack shack, uh, snack shelf, because um, I, I, I put some, some dangerous stuff there, and I don't want you accidentally to get into it. I wouldn't, if I actually did that, here's what I would do. I would go and grab the decon, and, and I would say, um, Look at the box. Yep, yep, everybody. This is poison. This is decon. This is rat poison. This will kill you. Don't get in this, even though it's, it's nearby and it's possible. And oh, by the way, this is Drano, and if you swallow this stuff, it's really bad, okay? It will burn you like crazy. You may die. Look at the can of Drano. Do not go near this. I would actually go and I would hold it up and I would name it Decon Drano, don't go near it. And for a long time, I've been talking about false teachers who are saying goofy stuff like, well, if you don't have enough faith, you'll never get sick, you'll never be poor, you'll drive a Mercedes, send me $100, and everything will be great in your life. And let me throw up. So having said that, and here's what the Lord said. You know, Paul named names. You know, we just looked at, if you go back to 120, Paul named names. This guy is a jerk. 
stole it. Matter of fact, booted him out of the church. And you go to 2 Timothy 4.14. This guy have nothing to do with 1 Corinthians 5. Take this guy. Get him out of there. He named names. Are you ready? <laughs> it's time to name some names. Okay, I've been hinting and dancing around this for a while. But I think it's a little bit like me just saying, be careful around the snack shelf because there's some dangerous things. <laughs> and I think I need to hold up the can. <laughs> so so let, let me say this. Um, there's some ugly, false teaching in the name of Christ out there. And unfortunately, they're the most popular ones. They're the ones that seem to control TV. So here we go. You ready? Name names. And I say this as a shepherd who cares for his sheep. I don't want you swallowing decon. I don't want you accidentally swallowing Drano. Be careful. The Joel Osteens, the Benny Hims, the Creflo Dollars, the Kenneth Copelands, the Paula Whites, the John Beveers, the Paul Crouches, the Frederick Prices, that prosperity gospel is garbage and poisonous. Are you ready? And it's false teaching. Stay away. Oh, but I like about 98%. Okay. So you think you can carefully swallow what they're giving you and not swallow the decon and not swallow the Drano? Do you think you're that smart that you can carefully strain out the garbage from what little good you can find there? Verse 16. Watch your doctrine closely. Let me put it, watch very carefully what you allow to be fed into your heart, soul, and mind. Okay? And, and, and I say that not because I enjoyed naming names, because frankly, I resisted it. I, I'm saying it because I care and I love you. And I'm afraid that some of you have been feeding on some decon and some Drano, and you just didn't know any better. So, you're in over your head in a tough situation. You know folks got the magnifying glass out on you. The critics and the doubters and the haters, they want to be proven right. So what do you do? Ready? Here we go. Let's review verse 12. First, set a godly Christ-like example. When they look at you, let them see Jesus. Second, verse 13, stick to the book. God's word is your answer book for life. Continue to hold on. And, and even when bad times come, hold on to the anchor for your soul, which is the Bible. Third, verse 14, discover your spiritual gift. Figure out how God Almighty has gifted you and get in the game with it. Get in the game. That, that's where fun and excitement and joy comes. Use your gift for King Jesus' honor and glory. Fourth, verse 15, be diligent and work hard at this. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes we Christian we think, well, being a Christian, I don't have to do anything. No, no, being a Christian, I got to be diligent and I got to make progress, and I'm going to have to work at it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fifth and finally, verse sixteen: Take regular inventory of your life. How's your life spiritually? How's your doctrine? Are you feeding on garbage, dangerous stuff? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Again, we all have people who are watching us, who are critical, 
who doubt that we're going to succeed, you know what? We all have some of that in us. Good advice here in God's word. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, thank you for clear instruction and practical guidance. Thank you for our word, for our daily lives. It's a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. And frankly, Lord, we live in a very dark and scary world. That's just the truth. But we pause now and we invite you to do uh, some inventory on our lives based on the passage we just examined. So uh, with your eyes shut and you're not looking around, let me just ask you a few questions. How's your example for those who are watching your life? How is your speech? How's your behavior been? How much love are the people around you seeing from you? Do they know you're putting their needs and their interests before your own? How much faith is being displayed during hard times? Keeping your life pure from evil and sin and sexuality? Where are you getting your direction from for life? Is it anchored in God's word? Are you devoted to the Bible as the instruction manual for your life, no matter what? Do, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Are, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to get in the game and chase after it until you find out what it is? And maybe you're here and you know what your gift is. Are you using it? King Jesus, God Almighty, has given you an awesome gift. Are you pushing hard and being diligent about making regular progress? And the Lord wants progress in your life. He's not expecting perfection. He knows you better than you know you. He knows that's not possible. But are you making progress? Are you paying attention to your spiritual life? Are you wise about the teaching that you're feeding on? Lord, as, as we invite you into the answers for these questions, Lord, would you please show us? Take your word today, Lord, drive it deep into our hearts and our minds and our souls. And Lord, may we not just be hearers of your book today. Lord, help us to put it to work and be doers of your word. It's in the awesome name of your son, Jesus, that we pray every one of these things.